Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. One of my favorite things to do is connect with you. Because honestly, this podcast straight up sucks if it doesn't give you what you need, if it doesn't help you where you are at on your journey. I really think of this as our show. And so the success of this show isn't about the number of downloads it gets. It is about the number of you it's helping and the degree to which it is helping you. So my priority is not being entertaining, but helping you create your transformation. So I have to meet your needs. I have to know what's going on with you. And I've got to be delivering not just content, but strategies and coaching that helps you create that change you are after in your life, that helps you create your best life, that helps you move beyond getting hung up on past patterns and exceptions and excuses, and ultimately that helps you make progress towards your goals. And one of the ways that I know to do that and I'm certainly open to any ideas you guys have, but one of the ways I know to do that is to ask you, what's going on? How can I help? What's on your mind? So just yesterday on Facebook and on Instagram, I basically said, what do you need from me? What can I talk about, give my two cents on, help you strategize with that is going to be helpful to you? And the questions came in right away. I'm going to be answering them today. But don't worry if you haven't yet had a chance to ask your question or you didn't see me post that over on Facebook and Instagram. Let me know now. I will do a part two and if need be a three and a four and a seven and a 12 because I want to know what is going on with you and how I can help. This is not lip service. This is my genuine heart and desire for this time we spend together a couple of times a week. So if you have a question, If you have a topic you want to hear me chat about, weigh in on, provide strategies for, you can either let me know over on Instagram, you can find me there, at Elizabeth Benton, or on the Primal Potential Facebook page, or you can leave a comment over on the show notes, you can send me an email. The show notes page for today's episode lives at primalpotential.com forward slash 477. This is episode 477, so the show notes page lives at primalpotential.com forward slash Four seven seven. So if you've got a question, if you've got a challenge, if you have something you'd like me to weigh in on, let's hear it. We'll do a part two. And the questions today range from personal questions to individualized situation questions, science-based questions. It is open season, guys. Ask away. Before we dive into the first question, I want to give you guys a heads up because I 
have sort of been dragging my feet on this one, not for any reason other than the fact that just other things have been coming up. The waitlist for my fall programs is now up on primalpotential.com. A lot of you have been asking, is there a waitlist? How do I get on the waitlist? How do I make sure I'm registered for your fall coaching? The waitlist is now up. I will link to it over on the show notes, or you can go there directly. Just go to primalpotential.com. Right on the homepage in the upper right-hand side, you will see an option that says work with me. When you click on that, you'll see 12 Weeks to Transformation, and there's a little place to get on the wait list. So that is up now for those of you that are curious. For now, let's dive into these questions. If you have questions, if my answers to these questions prompt more questions, let me have them. I will weigh in on them. Promise, promise. So the first group of questions comes from Amy, and she asks three questions. We'll take them one at a time. Her first question is a little bit more of a personal one. It says, what's your love language? She said that hers are acts of service followed by gifts. And if you guys don't know what she's referring to with love languages, she is referring to a book by Gary Chapman. The book is called The Five Love Languages. And essentially, the premise of the book is that we all have certain ways we express and show love and want to experience love, be shown love by others. We often show love in the ways we want to receive love, and this can be a problem when we're showing love to somebody in something that's not their love language. I'll give you an example in a minute if that seems a little bit confusing, but the five love languages are words of affirmation, so compliments, praise, etc. Words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and gifts. So those are the five love languages. Words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and gifts. And I gotta say, I was impressed that I remembered those off the top of my head because it's been years since I read that book. So the premise of the book is essentially that we could get into trouble if, say, your love language's gifts but your partner's love language or your child's love language is words of affirmation. And so you show them love with little and big gifts and you're so confident in how you're showing love, but they're unfulfilled because they want words of affirmation and you're not loving them in that way. And most of us have a primary love language and a second, so secondary love language. Amy is sharing that her love languages are service, acts of service and gifts. And she's asking, what mine are, I would have to say physical touch would be my primary and words of affirmation would be my secondary. Although I kind of feel like it depends on the day you ask, but that's what I feel best about. It's been a while since I've read the book, but I do recommend it. I think it's really helpful. Even if you're not in a romantic relationship, I think it can be helpful with siblings. It can be helpful with children. It can be helpful with everybody, really. Uh, I will link to that book over in the show notes. Again, it's called The Five Love Languages. I'm pretty sure mine are physical touch and words of affirmation. Amy's second question is, what are three to five interventions, changes, that you would immediately make if you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? So if I was diagnosed tomorrow, what changes would I make? 
First, I'm going to answer this generally, not specific to me, but the changes that I would suggest somebody make if they were going to make immediate changes upon diagnosis with type 2 diabetes, uh, and then I'll answer for myself. And the reason there's a difference is because some of the changes I would recommend in general are changes that are already habits for me. So it wouldn't be a change for me. But of course, I do want to say I'm not a medical doctor and listen to your doctor. This isn't medical advice, blah, 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 blah. All right, so generally speaking, the changes that I would suggest somebody implement if they were saying, crap, I was just diagnosed, what should I do? Number one, cut out or minimize, move towards an improvement with starch and sugar. Those guys have got to go on the decrease, starch and sugar. Not just processed foods, all foods across the board, starch and sugar has got to go down. So it's not like Chips are bad, but mashed potato is okay because it's a whole food. Nope, starch and sugar has got to go down. Number two, from a general perspective, start lifting heavy weights because type 2 diabetes is about insulin resistance, meaning your body, your cells are not responding to insulin the way that they ought to. And one of the ways to not only increase the efficiency of your response, but make your body much more sensitive to the action of insulin is by increasing muscle mass. So I would immediately start lifting heavy weights. And then the other thing from a general perspective that I would recommend if somebody were looking for changes to make upon a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, stop snacking. Stop snacking. And I talked about this On a recent episode of the podcast, I can't remember which one, but I was referring to your body kind of like a pinball machine. And if every time that ball comes back to the bottom, you're pinging it up, pinging it up, pinging pinging it up, that is equivalent to eating and grazing and snacking constantly throughout the day. You're not allowing insulin to be anything other than elevated and produced. And so you're compounding that resistance because your body is always producing more insulin and it just doesn't allow for that sensitivity to return. So I would cut out snacking and that would either be three smaller meals or two bigger meals, but nothing in between. So those are the general changes. Now, if I personally, with the changes I've already made over the past few years, if I personally was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, I would probably go strict keto right away. That would look for me like reducing protein a little bit and reducing veggies a little bit more than a little bit, uh, a little bit more significantly. So I would quickly go to strict keto with intermittent fasting and maybe a day or two a week of a 24-hour fast or so. I don't think everybody needs to make that change. The general response that I gave earlier of cutting out or minimizing starch and sugar and lifting heavy weights and stopping snacking would be a massive improvement for most people. But since I've already made a lot of those improvements, I would go strict keto with intermittent fasting and a couple, one or two days a week of a 24-hour fast. The other change that I would make, right now, I drink alcohol and eat sugar on occasion. So alcohol, sometimes I might have one drink a week. Other times I might go three or four weeks without having a drink. Uh, And then some weeks I might have two. Like I might go out one night and have two drinks. I don't drink a lot, but if I were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, alcohol, out the door. Adios, not having it because my health matters more than a couple of drinks. Same thing with the occasional sugar. I really love sweets. 
um, and I very rarely eat them. But if I were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, out the door. My health matters more. Amy's third question, what is one thing you hate to outsource or have somebody else do for you? To be very honest, I don't outsource anything right now on the business side of things. Whether or not that comes as a surprise to you, I'm not I'm not bragging. If, if anything, it's a criticism of myself and I should, but I do from a primal potential standpoint, that business entity, I do it all myself. I record my podcasts, I write my show notes, I upload my podcasts, I tag the files, I write my emails, I schedule them, I do all the backend stuff, I respond to my emails, manage my calendar, do all my social media, I write my blogs, update them, define and record my challenges for clients, I do all the behind the scenes admin stuff, I set up my checkout pages, all that. Um, I do have an accountant, so I guess I outsource that, but I manage my finances expenses, revenue, you know, receipts, all of that. My accountant just does my taxes. I will never outsource my content or responding to emails or anything like that that is the heart and soul of what Primal is. Personally, aside from business, I do outsource a couple of things. So I have a laundry service. I uh, basically, that sounds fancier than it is. Somebody else does my laundry for me. <laughs> um, my time is not best spent doing laundry. And here's the other part of it. Because I built my tiny house, I can't record, or I choose not to record, I certainly could, I choose not to record when the washer or dryer is going, and so doing laundry myself just kind of puts a, like, when should I do it? I don't want it to be going when I'm sleeping, I don't want it to be going when I'm recording, so I outsource my laundry. Long story short, I used to, or have before, outsourced meal prep. A couple years ago, I used Paleo Power Meals, a meal delivery service, almost exclusively. I don't do that anymore because I'm trying to do more with recipe creation and because they don't deliver to where I live now. But it's tough for me to answer this question, what do I hate to outsource? Because quite frankly, if I hated to outsource it, I just wouldn't outsource it. So there's that. Erin asks, so I found that one of the best ways to keep my hands busy so I won't mindlessly eat while I watch TV or read books or chat on the phone is to knit. It keeps my hands busy, which makes me less likely to snack, and I get some snazzy things to wear from it, she says. What is your favorite go-to snack when dinner is far off but you're hungry now? First and foremost, here's my personal response to I'm hungry now. Hunger isn't something I have to respond to. Typically, people see hunger as, oh, it's time to eat. I'm hungry. I need to eat. And that certainly was the way I used to think about it, too. But what hunger is, hunger is a sign that your body needs fuel. So from my perspective, the way I think about this, oh, I'm hungry, either I can meet those fuel needs by giving my body fuel in the form of a meal or a snack, or... That hunger is an opportunity for my body to meet those fuel needs with my stored body fat. Hunger is an opportunity for that. It's either an opportunity to eat or it's an opportunity to allow your body to meet its fuel needs with your stored fat, but it's not both. So my number one most common, most frequent response to hunger is wait till the next meal. Because I want to give my body those opportunities to turn to my stored fat as fuel. With that said, because that is my go-to strategy, if I am getting hungry and the meal is a long way off, 
that might mean that I didn't fuel myself well enough at my previous meal. I'll use today as an example, and I apologize if you can hear the whatever outdoor equipment is making noise in the background, but I'll use today as an example. I ate breakfast today, which I don't usually do because I'm not typically hungry in the morning, but my workout was a little bit heavier on the weight side yesterday, so I'm not too surprised that I was hungry this morning, and so I ate breakfast. No big deal there, right? As opposed to my typical daily strategy, which is a brunch-timed meal and then a dinner meal, I ate earlier in the day than normal today. So knowing that, I wanted to make sure that that meal would sustain me for many hours. And when I say many hours, I probably mean like five to six hours. So I had two to two and a half cups of Brussels sprouts with two slices of bacon and some leftover grilled chicken. That is going to satisfy me for a long time. Now, I might have moments of hunger here and there, especially in this example right now, talking about food. I start to feel a little bit hungry because my body is actually preparing for food when you think about food and talk about food. So that's just another little side thing. The more you talk about food, look at food, think about food, the more likely you are to experience that hunger sensation. So I know that I don't need fuel. I just ate a couple of hours ago and I gave my body more than enough fuel. And that hunger is just reminding me, not that I need to eat, but that if my body truly needs fuel right now, it has plenty on my hips and my thighs and my arms and my belly to meet its own needs. So part of it is how I think about hunger. Part of it is how I use my, how I structure my meals to make sure they satisfy my hunger for a long time. I used to turn to food with every single moment of hunger, like, oh, I should get a snack. I don't do that now. The exception to that is the two to three days before the start of my period. I am a lot more hungry. So instead of being miserable or feeling out of control, I simply eat more of the things I would normally eat. It's not oh, I'm more hungry, so I need a cupcake. No, I'm going to have more veggies. I'm going to have more protein. And if I'm going to snack, chances are it's going to be on those days. I feel more hungry, so I eat more. It's not any more complicated than that. I don't like sweet snacks. That is a personal preference because I understand that with every bite of food, I am training my palate. When I was... 350 plus pounds, and I ate a ton of sugar and starch, that's what I craved. The less sugar and starch I eat, the less sugar and starch I crave because we can train and reprogram our palates. And so I don't want to program my palate to want more sweet things. That just makes my life more difficult than it needs to be. For that reason, I tend to stay away from sweet snacks. I used to really love Quest Bars but I don't use them very often anymore, even though they are delicious. And even though I could probably reach my goals incorporating them, I usually want a second one and a third one and a fourth one, and they don't really satisfy my hunger. So the, that's a long-winded answer to my go-to snacks now typically include artisana coconut butter. I get the travel packs. I think they're really delicious. I get them from Thrive Market. I'll put a link in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. I think they're delicious, but they're not the kind of thing that I want a second one and a third one and a fourth one. So I want to eat food I love, but I don't want to feel that sense of, I want more. 
I can't stop. So the Pringles effects kind of snacks, you know, once you pop, you just can't stop. Those are not on my short list. Artisanic coconut butter, the travel packets, a small handful of Brazil nuts. I just did an episode on Brazil nuts. I will link to that in the show notes about why I think they fall into the food as medicine category. Here's one of the reasons that I will turn to Brazil nuts. I like them, but I do not love them so much that I want more, more, more. So they're kind of a safer option for me. I don't feel like I'm in danger of eating the entire bag. I also get those from Thrive Market. And side note about nuts, because I buy other nuts as well, almonds and cashews, for example, but I do not buy them salted. I get them from Thrive Market, and Thrive has roasted salted versions, but they also have raw unsalted versions. Those are the ones I get because Salt is a hyperpalatable for me and for most people. Hyperpalatable means something is added that makes you want more of it. Salt is one of those things. I'm likely to eat more nuts if they are salted, and I'm likely to eat fewer if they are unsalted. So that is a little tip or trick from me. I'll link to those things over on the show notes. If I'm not going to snack and I feel hungry or I want something, I really want to give my body that opportunity to use my stored fat as fuel. And in that case, if I really feel like I need something, I will have uh, some sparkling water or I will have a cup of coffee. All right. Monica asks about recommendations for fitness exercise during pregnancy. You guys have heard me say this before. I am not a personal trainer and I don't play one on the Internet. Because I work out, that does not qualify me, in my opinion, to give workout um, strategies, especially for a sensitive time like pregnancy. Even within my 12-week groups, at any time, I don't always incorporate movement and fitness into that, but any time I have... I have paid somebody else who is a personal trainer to come in and teach those segments because I'm not a personal trainer. Yes, I can absolutely talk about the nutrition side of things and I can absolutely share what I do. But for something like fitness and pregnancy, I always want to have a tremendous degree of respect for people who have really got the certifications and the qualifications to be a subject matter expert. I am not a subject matter expert in exercise during pregnancy. I will point you to somebody who is, and that is Jessie Mundell. Check her out on Instagram. I will link to that over in the show notes. It's at Jessie, J-E-S-S-I-E, Mundell, M-U-N-D-E-L-L. So it's all one word, at Jesse Mundell at J-E-S-S-I-E-M-U-N-D-E-L-L. Tell her I sent you. She is amazing. She really specializes in responsible, safe, and effective movement during pregnancy and also postpartum. She's really, really great. Um, she's got some programs, birth and beyond, that sort of thing. She is the expert. I can have an opinion based on my own life, but I never want to front as a subject matter expert where I am not one. And so fitness during pregnancy is not something that I am a subject matter expert, but Jessie certainly is. So head her way. Tell her I said hello. Shelby wants to know, this is also about workouts. 
One of the hardest things for me is fueling before and after my workout. So pre-workout nutrition, post-workout nutrition. I feel a little bit more qualified here from the nutrition side of things. She says, I would love to hear your ideas on ideal timing before and after workouts, ideas for what to eat, for optimal fueling, and also does it differ depending on the type of workout? I'm going to answer this first in terms of what I personally do and then more generally. So I do CrossFit style workouts. That means I'm often lifting heavy weights. I'm also, I'm often doing high intensity workouts and there is almost always a cardiovascular training element in the workout. Here's what it looks like. I eat meals. I do not in any way alter the way that I eat for a specific workout. Now, is there a need for specific pre and post workout meals, snacks, supplements for some people? Yes, but almost everybody listening to this is not in that category. People who train all day long, who are competitive or professional athletes. Now, I'm competitive, but when I say competitive, I mean you are competing on a regular basis as part of what you do as your as your job, right? So you're not competing like as a weekend warrior, but you are training for some end goal. Essentially, if your goal is fat loss and you work out in a typical sense, say ranging from 20 minutes to a couple of hours a day, I believe in my gut that just eat normally, especially when your goal is fat loss. Here's the issue with eating right before you work out. Your body is going to use that for fuel. Up, as opposed to using your stored fat as fuel. So 99% of us do not need any pre or post workout thing. So much of this notion came from the fact that people are trying to sell us protein bars and pre-workout supplements and post-workout shakes and all of this stuff. And it is a sales pitch. It is a sales pitch that we have been talked into. The exceptions are going to be people whose goals are not fat loss if they really want to put on muscle or, like I mentioned already, people who train for hours and hours and hours a day. There is no magic ratio of you should have carbs before your workout or carbs after your workout because there are a ton of fat-adapted athletes who do not incorporate carbohydrates as part of their competitive nutrition protocol, and you don't have to either. Now, when I talk about the golden rules of carbs and fat loss and when to incorporate carbs when your goal is fat loss, the evening time, half a cup in the evening-ish, right? And when I say half, when I say ish, I mean half cup-ish, uh, that is going to be the ideal time. You certainly can have carbohydrate post-workout if you feel you need to or if you really want to and it's working for you. It's not going to work for everybody. It doesn't work for me. When I consume star, if I were to eat starch or sugar every day after I worked out, I would not feel my best and it would not support my goals. That is not true for everybody. The bottom line here is eat normally. If you work out in the morning, you certainly can eat before you work out. But I would say this, if you have to, if working out on an empty stomach, compromises your workout, your ability to bring your best effort to your workout, then have a little something. And the little something will vary from person to person. I've certainly had mornings where I've worked out and I felt so hungry that I would either be distracted during the workout or not feel as much energy. And so I might have a handful of almonds or, 
you know, two bites of a protein bar or something like that, like two bites of an Epic bar, just to put a little fuel in my system. As far as after the workout, when your goal is fat loss, give yourself a window of about an hour to two hours before you eat after your workout. So what I'm saying is, as best you can, as a guideline, don't eat within an hour to two hours after your workout because you really want to allow that catabolic process to complete The catabolic process being the breakdown, the fuel usage required by your workout before you switch into an anabolic stage, which is what we're in after we eat. Hopefully that helps. If you have any other questions about that, do not hesitate to let me know. All right, the next question. It came in via Instagram. Do you have a photographic memory? You read a lot and take in so much information, yet you seem to always remember everything you've read or learned. Well, thank you. And no, I probably recall about two to five percent of all the things I read. There are some things, though, that I talk about over and over and over and over again, like hormones, endocrinology, nutrition, metabolism, biochemistry. And it's been years and years of reading and practicing and learning But I definitely don't have a photographic memory, and I probably only recall a fractional amount of what I take in. The thing that helps me is that I act on what I learn. If I come across something that I think is so interesting and I really want to make sure to remember it, as I've mentioned here before a few times, I put it in my calendar at several different places in the form of a question. Like, what can I do with this idea today? So if I come across something that I'm like, oh, that's good. All right. It's going to go in my calendar so that because I'm not going to go back to that book every week. I'm not going to reread my notes every day. But three weeks from now, when it pops up in my calendar, there it is again. And we need repeat exposure to remember things. So I become intentional about repeating my exposure to them without requiring myself to reread a book 17 times because I just don't have the time for that. All right, Danielle says, Hi, Elizabeth, love your show, blog, and emails. I met your podcast about two weeks ago on episode 468. Now I'm listening from the beginning going up. Would you mind sharing your coffee brand? I'm so confused as to which coffee I should buy that has less toxins. Happy to share. I am not brand loyal when it comes to coffee, and that means I try a lot of different things, and my tastes change. So I might drink one coffee for three or four months or longer, and then I switch it up, find something that I like better, or maybe then I go back to something I had been using a little while ago. Lately, the coffee that I am loving and enjoying the most is Lumberjack Coffee Company. I will put that link over in the show notes, Lumberjack Coffee Company. Uh, I've been drinking their stuff for several months now. I really, really love it, but I'm not particularly brand loyal. You've probably heard me talk about Kicking Horse before. Uh, you've probably talked me t- heard me talk about Caveman Coffee Company. Uh, I really enjoy both of those. You know, Bulletproof Coffee, the big brand, they talk a lot about how their coffee is low toxin. So much of this comes down to what flavor profile you like in your coffee. So for me, I find the Bulletproof brand to be a little bit too, like, sour. So some coffee is very dark and rich and earthy. And other coffees are more 
sour and acidic and almost fruity. Not that they have fruit flavors, but the beans themselves have those undertones. So, so much of it is finding what flavor you really, really like. I tend to not like the brighter, more acidic or sour coffees. I like the darker, deeper, bolder, drier roasts, and I'm very much that way with wine as well. So it comes down to that. But I will say this, what matters more than the coffee brand you buy is that you're using good quality water. And I've talked about this at length before. Don't sweat, and a lot of you are probably using a water filter, which is awesome. But if you're not, don't worry so much about the toxins in your coffee. Worry more about the toxins in your water. I'm going to link to episode 46 of the podcast over in the show notes. I think that'll be really helpful for those that are like, oh, yeah, that's a good point about the toxins in the water because there's more water in coffee than there is coffee in coffee, number one. Number two, we also cook with our water. We drink the water. We shower in the water. So the water filter side of things is even more important you can Google low toxin coffee, pick one and see if you like it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you find the cleanest, purest coffee if you don't like it. And I think too, our tastes change. But I will link to Lumberjack Coffee Company. And again, Bulletproof has some some great methods of removing toxins. I think Kicking Horse is, is a great option as well. But your flavor profile is going to make the biggest difference here. What are your pet peeves? That is the next question. Elizabeth, what are your pet peeves? <laughs> I've got a few. I try to be relentlessly positive. So talking about things I don't like ugh, always makes me feel a little bit weird, but I will happily answer this question as honestly as I can. It always makes me cringe when somebody uses the fact that they're busy as an excuse or when you say, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm so busy. How was your week? Oh, so busy. That's so tired and it's so old and it's not interesting. And I feel like most of us are busy. So is that the calling card you want? It just it just gets on my nerves. It gets under my skin. Um, another pet peeve is gossip. I'm going to have a hard time being friends with anybody who gossips because how is their trust? If you will come to me and say things about somebody else behind their back, of course I'm going to assume that you're going to do that to me as well. Now, I have gossiped before, but I try to make it right. I try to go to that person, explain the situation, apologize if need be, etc. Um, so gossip is a big pet peeve of mine. And then negativity in general, but especially negativity and drama around body image. And I'm going to be talking more about this in an upcoming issue, this sort of sense of the commonality, the pervasiveness of putting yourself down. And this might rub people the wrong way, but I'm just being very, very honest here. It's very juvenile. It's very high school. I get it when a 13-year-old is like, oh, I hate my thighs. They're 13. But when you're 35 or you're 40 or you're 55 or you're 75 and that's the thing you want to give your energy and time to, I want to create a movement where we realize that life is so much bigger and more beautiful than our negativity about our own bodies. You can either let those thoughts go or you can create change or both, but like, I really want people to move beyond the very immature and negative and just, it brings everybody down. Nobody wants to hear somebody complain about their body. 
and nobody has to do it. You can either shift your perspective or you can create a change, but that's, that's definitely a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Like I said, I'll be talking more about body image in a very quick to come episode of the podcast. So if you have questions, if you have topics you want to hear me dive into, let me know. Either shout me out on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or leave a comment on the Primal Potential Facebook page or on the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 477 for this episode. Of course, you can shoot me an email and I will link to all of the things that I talked about, the water filter episode the Five Love Languages book, the Lumberjack Coffee, uh, the Nuts and the Artisana Coconut Butter from Thrive Market, uh, Jesse Mundell, if for those people that are wondering about exercise during, before, or after pregnancy, I'll link to all of those things over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. If you decide to give any of the snacks a try from Thrive Market, make sure you register through thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential because when you do that, you get an extra 25% on your first order, plus you get free shipping on that first order and a free 30-day trial membership. So looking forward to hearing your additional questions so we can do this again because as I mentioned, my biggest heart and desire in all of this is to make sure I am helping you make progress towards your goals. I don't need to entertain you. I want to help you create change in your life. And speaking of that, as I mentioned at the start, those of you looking to be on the wait list for the fall, there's not going to be any summer groups, but for the fall, well, I just lied. There'll be summer groups for the veterans, but there won't be new client groups in the summer. The newbie, you've never done a coaching program with me before, that'll start up in the fall. The waitlist is on primalpotential.com. Go to work with me or go to the show notes page. Um, veterans, people that have worked with me in a previous or current 12-week program, whether it's 12 Weeks to Transformation or the Fat Loss Fast Tracks, we will have veteran groups through the summer. We just won't have newbie groups in the summer. So check out all those links. Let me know if you have questions. Make it a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.